Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Good morning. Good morning again, everyone. Good to see you here. We're going to move straight into the Word of God. First, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day, for this time that you've given us to come here, this place that you've given us to come and to worship you and to, to grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're thankful that we are just one small part of the body of Christ, the church of which you are the head, Lord Jesus. We give you center place in your church, and we ask you to have your way, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father. We bless you, and we thank you for this word. Help us to receive it with joy, protect it in our hearts, nurture it, and allow it to grow and bear fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to talk to you about a couple of parables that Jesus ministered he loved to speak in parables and he said it was it was for you that he did that um, because you would you would have understanding when you come to know him and you seek him you would you would you would grow to understand these things the holy spirit will help you to understand as you seek him and uh, those that don't know him they won't ever understand it's not for them that's what he said. But you're going to understand these things today. And so you'll know that you're his. Amen. How many of you belong to Jesus today? Anybody need to get that straightened out? We'll do that right now. <laughs> Amen. Well, he loves you. And he's got great things in store. That's right. Good to see you back, Chris. You got that corner held up? <laughs> well, I want to cover it. <laughs> We're going to be in Matthew chapter 13 and Luke chapter 14. Maybe if I get there. So Matthew chapter 13 and I want you to go to the 44th verse and I'll catch up with you in a second. Matthew chapter 13. Jesus had been ministering. He told some other parables that day. (laughs) There was religious leaders all around him trying to find fault. How many of you know that is still very common today? (laughs) They were trying to find fault in him. And that's where actually he told the purpose of these parables in chapter 13. The disciples came to him in verse 10. I'll just go there. Then the disciples came and said to Jesus, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For the people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. They have closed, you see. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. So there it is. In the 44th verse, Jesus is telling them another parable. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. Which a man found and covered it up. So a man finds this treasure and then he goes and buries it, hides it. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. I've heard this interpreted different way, but I'll show you what God has shown me. And the first time I ministered, he confirmed it in a powerful way 
I looked up and everybody was on the floor <laughs> weeping and uh, I just went and sat down. <laughs> I was at another man's church and I didn't know what to do. But in this parable, the field is the world. The field is the world and the man buying the treasure is God. The treasure is or are the true believers in Christ. You, you are his chosen treasure. The price that was paid for the field was the very life of Jesus Christ on the cross. Jesus saw through his foreknowledge a remnant. Dennis, a remnant. Remember you said that this morning and I started laughing? Yeah. A remnant of people who would believe the gospel message and receive him as their Lord. And in Hebrews 12, 2, it says that. It says, Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, you, endured the cross, despising its shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Acts 10, uh, 20, 28 says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock. He's talking to me. Over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseer. To feed the church of God. But listen, here's the part I was getting to. Which he has purchased with his own blood. He purchased the church. You are the church. The church isn't a building. It's the body of Christ of which Christ himself is the head. Ephesians 1.7 says, In Him you have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of our sins, our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which is boundless. Ephesians 1.7 And then Revelation 7.14 My Lord Well, this was John talking to Him and then He answers and says, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. This will be the saints. And have washed their robes. And made them white in the blood of the Lamb. His precious redeeming blood. The life is in the blood. And he shed it. His life for your death. That you received. As an inheritance from Adam. Frankly. Your sin nature was not. From any sin that you had committed. It came with you. <laughs> That's why with our children, we have to challenge Satan's claim on their life. To raise them up in the fear and admonition, the teachings of Christ. And so that when they're able to understand fully, they can make that choice for themselves. Hebrews 9, 11 through 15. Remember the 9, 11 scriptures? <laughs> I know them all. <laughs> But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. Talking about his comparing it to the tabernacle that Moses created based on what he had seen from God. A glimpse into heaven where the real tabernacle is. There's one just like you see over in Jerusalem in heaven, only much grander and larger. He entered in through the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands. That is to say, not of this creation. And not through the blood of goats and calves. All the things in the Old Testament were just temporary. The lifeblood of those animals were just temporary covering. Pointing to the day when Christ would make one sacrifice once and for all, for all time, for you, Bill. But through His own blood He entered in. He entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who had been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? For this reason, He is the mediator of a new covenant, so that since a death, 
has taken place for the redemption of the transgressions that were committed under the first covenant. Those who have been called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. Even those who died before Christ came that were looking forward to His coming, living a life of faith in that, they're saved. He went and got them when He went down into hell. Paradise used to be down there across from hell just by a great chasm of, of, of liquid fire. Jesus went down. When He came back out of hell, He brought the keys to death, hell, and the grave after He kicked the devil in the teeth. And the Father went down there and got His boy out of that prison. Jesus brought those, those who had gone before into paradise with Him. Matter of fact, He brought paradise with Him. It's, the only thing down there now is hell. He took them on up into heaven because now He made the way. By His precious blood shed for you. He walked in the heaven into the real tabernacle up there and He put His shed blood on that altar. One time. Forever. Overpayment. Hebrews 12.24 And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks better blood than the blood of Abel. What does that mean? Remember, Cain slew Abel, the first murder in the Bible. And Abel's blood, God said, because Cain acted like he didn't know what was happening. And God said, no, something because your brother's blood is calling out to me from the ground. So his blood was calling out for vengeance. Jesus, blood, mercy. Mercy to you. And grace. Hebrews 13, 20. Now the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, that's Jesus, through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord. And then Acts 20, 28 says, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock. Again, talking to me. Among the which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which He purchased with His own blood. I keep driving that home because I want you to be thinking about it as we talk about how you are this treasure that God bought the whole field which He had buried the treasure in and it cost Him all He had. He purchased actually the whole world but not everyone will receive what he did, will they? They could. It's available to everyone, all who will. But the church is what's hidden. Scattered among the world today. God, our Father, had the plan of salvation worked out even before he created the world. Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, already done, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. If you've been around me long, you know that scripture. It's a done deal. As we talked about how we get them out of that spiritual realm into this natural realm where we can benefit from them in the sweet now and now. It goes on to say, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. What? According to the good pleasure of his will. He knew what he was doing. 1 Peter 1, 19 through 21. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Who verily has foreordained before the foundation of the world. Or was foreordained. Was chosen. Before the foundation of the world. But was manifest in these last times for you. So there it is. He, they knew. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The determinate counsel. <laughs> How awesome is that? When you only have to take counsel amongst yourself. <laughs> because there's no one else wise enough or worthy. To counsel you. I'll just talk to myself. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, they figured out this wonderful plan of redemption. The greatest legal and military strategy ever accomplished. And they did it with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, who by Him 
do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. So that's why this has all been, this plan has been revealed. So that we could enter into this life of faith. Matthew twenty-five thirty-four. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Acts two twenty-three. The man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. This was Peter talking to those religious leaders who had killed Jesus. He said, this man, this Jesus, he was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan. And foreknowledge. They played right into his hands. He counted on their wickedness and hard-heartedness. He knew it. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross, he told them. Romans 8, 29. For those God foreknew, that's you again, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. You are becoming more and more like him every time you look into this righteous word or hear this righteous word spoken to you and about you and you come to understand who you are in Christ and what's been done on your behalf. You're being conformed into his image that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. How many times have you heard people say, well, that's Jesus. I'm not, I'm not Jesus. Yeah, well, Christian, that's what it means, little Christ. And you are being conformed into his image. Now you know in part, one day you'll know fully, just as you are known. You have the mind of Christ in your born-again spirit. The very nature of God is in there, and we're learning how to draw upon it. To walk in victory in this life. Peace, love, joy, prosperity, health. All part of your inheritance. Most of us, <laughs> talking about not being Jesus, maybe not yet. We're not there yet. <clears throat> None of us have laid hold of that which we are after yet. But hopefully we're all heading in the right direction. Amen. That's all God cares about. He doesn't care about where you've been. He cares about where you're going. But most of us, we wouldn't have created the world or mankind if we had known the heartache and the terrible sacrifice that it would cost. But God, He's not man. He's not like us. In His judgment, which is perfect and correct, the prize was well worth the cost. God knows in advance those who will accept his offer of salvation. The scriptures teach that we as believers were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. That's what I just told you, Ephesians 1.4. And that's how infinite God's ability is. We were chosen in Christ before the world began. We're holy. We're blameless because God sees us through Christ or in Christ. In other words, he looks at the seed. He either sees Adam or he sees Jesus. Adam, corrupted, sinful, death. Or Jesus, covered in pure gold. And that's who you are in him. Amen. It was predetermined that we would be God's children. And that's what we are. We've been accepted by God. And he wouldn't anymore reject us as long as we want him and don't reject him. Then he would forsake his son Jesus. We're redeemed. We're forgiven. We are truly blessed. There's power in the knowing of that. And to walking in that confidence. Not arrogance, but that confidence. Because confidence in that will keep you humble above Anything else? It's a little overwhelming, to be honest with you. It keeps me humble because I know what he brought me from. And I am so thankful. I was, I was in there. Before I could come out here, I had to get on the phone with my wife. I had to send her a message and tell her how much I love her. Because I had a little meltdown this morning. I blame it on HP. 
<laughs> I have a fax printer, color printer. And I was out of yellow ink, apparently, this morning. It wouldn't print a black and white note for the message today. So I moved into the 21st century. I'm using my iPad. I hope it doesn't run out of juice because it was dead. I put in an old yellow cartridge, shook it up, thinking it'll get one more. Mm-mm. It knew that it was a, a, a genuine HP cartridge at one time. It also knew that it was empty and it wasn't having it. This is not caring about the customer. This is about selling ink, I tell you right now. That thing could have printed with the black ink I had in it. And used to be able to override it and make it do that. Mm-mm. So I was getting frazzled. And so I went to charge up my iPad, thinking maybe I can use that. Well, all my chargers, everything we have is Apple phones and Apple iPad. So all my chargers that I've had over the years, I have a bunch. And not today, because I have a wife. And she takes everything, and she has a hard time keeping up with stuff. That's the truth. So I began to tell her about this. And she was getting ready. She's already a little stressed out and nervous because things happening in her job. And she's had to fill some some shoes that is uncomfortable for her. And she got the spotlight on her. And I should be encouraging her. And, and here I'm telling her how none of this would be happening if it weren't for her. I, I keep my stuff. I can't even find a pair of socks because of her. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm... Thank you, Jesus. And you know what she said? Nothing. Oh, I would much rather she tell me something in the flesh. Because when she doesn't tell me anything, I know Jesus is right behind me with a big stick. And so <laughs> I got it all straight finally, and she loves me and forgives me. Thankfully. But, uh, you know, Jesus just asked me a question. He says, is that how you'd like it to be? Just you? <laughs> Everything organized? And just you by yourself? Lonely? No, sir. No, sir. It's quite an adventure with my wife, but I like it that way. Amen. Maybe that helps somebody. I don't know. He tells another parable right behind that one. He says, again, the kingdom, this is the 45th verse of Matthew 13. Again, the kingdom of heaven is, is like unto a merchant, a man, seeking goodly pearls. Who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. Can't you just imagine that man just going home? Having to walk in the door and tell his wife, Honey, I sold everything. I sold the house, our furniture, our car, everything. Everything we have. The interpretation of this parable parallels the first, obviously. The treasure and hidden in the field. The merchant is God. And he found a remnant who would love and obey him, which is this church, this pearl. More specifically, you. God literally gave all that he had when he gave Jesus for our sins. He temporarily bankrupted heaven. I know the streets are pure gold, not paved with gold. I know the gates are solid stone, solid jewel. God doesn't care about those things. He likes nice things. He likes nice things so that you can enjoy them and he can enjoy them. But the valuable thing, the thing he had of priceless value he gave up temporarily for us.
You know, it says that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. And that's what He purchased for us. 2 Corinthians 9.15 I like says, Thanks be to God for His unspeakable gift. It doesn't mean that it's a secret or that it's hush-hush. It just means it's so wonderful that you can't even... You can't even... No words can capture the greatness of His gift, His offering to us and for us. Amen? He knew you would respond positively to the gospel before time began. Now, this brings up serious questions sometimes. And I've been dealing with this with someone. About the sovereignty of God. You say, oh well, see, that shows. He, he, he already had it all planned out. Everybody who was going to be His and all that. So, God's sovereign. Whatever happens, God must have planned it. Wherever you are today, God planned it that way. I heard a minister do that in front of a, a church of 8,000 people one time. I just wanted to say, he said, if you're here today, no matter where you are, what you're doing, it's because that's where God planned it. I, I wanted to say, no! Because then everybody in the crack house downtown, he planned that too, you see. And that's a lie. That's a lie. God does not enforce. He does not force Himself upon us. It's a choice. We have an active part to play. It's a relationship just like any other. And we can walk away from it. We can reject it, deny it altogether. That's not His will. The Bible says it's not His will that any should perish. But they are, aren't they? So he's not sovereign in that sense. He is sovereign in, sense, in the sense that, yes, he is the alpha male. He, he is the all in all. He can do all things, but he is so holy and so righteous that he holds himself accountable to his own word. He gave us a free will and he'll protect it all the way to him or to Satan. He doesn't want a family of robots. He wants children who will choose Him because of His goodness. Because of His love for them. And that's what He's going to have. That's why He's patient. He's waiting for all who will receive Him to come in. But we have to, we have to come to realize who we are. In, in God. Not just that we're saved. And one day we'll go to heaven. The forgiveness of sins has been provided. That's good. If nothing else happened. That would be enough. But our salvation begins now. And we can walk in the fullness. Of all of our inheritance. And take advantage of the things. He's provided for us now. The Bible says that you. Are a king and a priest. Weren't you just singing about that in that song that I love so much? We are kings and priests. You're like, yeah, that's funny. I'm a king and a priest. Yes, you are. Yeah, that's right. You are seated with Christ next to the Father right now. That's right. Some things you have to accept by faith. You are in Him if you belong to Him. He hath made us kings and priests unto God and His Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. That's Revelation 1.6 in case you're wondering where I get this. But we have to assume our true identity in Christ. We have to learn to participate like I was telling you in the offering. It goes for every part of our life. He's got spiritual laws in place that apply. And we have to learn to cooperate with those in order to uh, partake of the things that have already been done and provided by grace. The atonement is done. He only died for your sins once, 2,000 years ago. So I hope he can do things in advance. <laughs> He's not going to do it again, I assure you. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 2 through 4. 
Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? I've said these scriptures before about us judging angels, and I don't know if I ever give you the numbers. Sometimes I just forget. So I thought I would include that today. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 2 through 4. Or do you not know that the saints, that's you, not just somebody that the Pope decides is a saint. Everyone born again is a saint. The saints will judge the world. And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Paul was getting on to the church in Corinth for, for Christians taking their issues amongst one another to, to carnal or unsaved judges to figure out their problems. He said, what is going on here? You're going to judge the world. Can't you figure these things out? Do you not know that we are to judge angels, he says? Now, that's a sobering thought. But that's who you are. Why is it necessary that we begin to understand and meditate on these things? Because we need to take up our identity in Christ so that we can get the things done that He has for us to do. And we can walk personally in the greater victory than we have. The world and the church look too much alike. And they shouldn't. The divorce rate is exactly the same. 50-50. But you know, the chance for success with God is 100%. So I told a couple, I married a couple last weekend by their pool in their backyard. And they've been together for quite a while. Friends of ours, and we've been praying. And when I was ministering to them, I told them, I said, I understand. They've both been married. Baggage. I said, I know how painful that is. Me too. My wife too. We were high school sweethearts, but we were apart for 20 years. Came back together. She had three. I had one. It's hard. It's painful. And it's like, man, I don't want to touch that again. This seems fine. (laughs) This seems okay. But let me tell you, with God, the success rate is 100%. With everything with Him. But we have to come to learn to agree with the Word of God regarding us. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is alive and active. It's quick. That's what alive means. And powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Even that. Why does it say even that? Because that's a hard thing to do. Because our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions, our personality. Sometimes we get it mixed up with our spirit. And we think it's us or we think it's God and it's really just us. But the word of God will fix that. It'll let you know. It'll let you know if you really want the truth. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It's always about the motive with God. Remember Balaam? God told him to go but was mad when he went. Well, God's not schizo. It's because Balaam's heart was bad. His motives. Jeremiah 23, 29 Is not my word like fire, God says, declares the Lord, and like a hammer and breaks a rock in pieces. The word is true and it applies to us and we are more than we give ourselves credit for. Like Dennis was saying earlier, not because of anything we've done to deserve it, but because of the grace of God. Romans 6.14 says that sin shall not have dominion over us. No control whatsoever. Why? Because we're not under the law anymore, but under grace. Grace has freed us from all that. Titus 2.11 and 12 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Again, there it is. The opportunity for all men to receive it and be saved, but they're not. But those of us who do, it says in verse 12, it teaches us, the grace of God teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Romans 6.16 says, Know ye not 
that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Almost done here. He told another parable at the end of that chapter in the 47th verse. He says again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers and it threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And we know where that place is. I'm appealing to the church, to you, God's children, God's treasure, his pearl of great price and value. We need to help others. It's getting harder and harder to see clearly the path to the Lord in this world. This world is in big trouble. This country is in big trouble. This is one of the last strongholds of God in the world. And it's in trouble. Those, those very foundational principles are in great danger here. The goodness of God is so prevalent. We are blessed more than any other time in world history. But it seems as though the very things that God has blessed us with, it's His goodness that is intended to bring repentance, to cause people to love Him back. But these things that He has blessed us with seems to be the very things that have caused people's hearts and minds to be hardened to Him, thinking they don't need Him. We need to compel them to come. Luke 14, quickly. Luke 14. How are we doing? Okay? Okay. I want to just finish this thought because it's, it's what I was getting to. I want you to know, God wants you to know how much He loves you and what He's done. But it's really, now it's, it's not just about us. Amen? Amen? Look at this parable that He told in Luke 14. Starting at the 12th verse, the parable of the great banquet. Jesus said also to the man who had, or he's telling, let me see if I'm in the right verse here. 12th verse, or do I need to back up? Yeah, yeah, we can start there. He said also to the man who had invited him. When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and, and you're repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. This is just a, a, a parable about faith and, and don't, not doing things to be seen and blessed of men. But one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things. He said to them, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to them, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. Another said, I've married a wife and therefore I can't come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. Someone stop that, please. So go out. These I'm invited haven't come. Go out and invite the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. 
And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and there's still room. (laughs) And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. In the kingdom of God, at the, this great banquet that we will be partaking of with the Lord, there's going to be lots of undesirables in the eyes of the world. Not the brightest and the best and the most successful. Not that God didn't invite them. He has. But usually, those who have the most and can do the most... And are the most successful. Don't think they need God. And they reject him. And so he moves on. And so we're going to find that. The last shall be first. And the first shall be last. And the least is the greatest in the kingdom of God. It's a kingdom of opposites I tell you. But we need to go out and we need to begin compelling people to come. God is no respecter of persons and we shouldn't be either. Don't be afraid. You know, like when uh, you, you see these young boys in, in high school, 15, 16 years old. And then this, this beautiful young girl over here who never gets invited or a date to the prom or anything because they're intimidated by her and they never ask her. <laughs> So don't be afraid to go ask the successful people, your banker, your insurance man. If you know any Catholic priest, go invite them to come. They would make good Christians. I'm sorry. I I, I got that from Smith Wigglesworth. That was not mine. Sorry. I got to edit that out. I know. But it's it's time for the children of God to not only get a greater revelation, to, to have that aha moment, as it were, which comes truly by the word and spending time with God, to understand that how much He loves you, how much He's done for you, and how much He needs you. Yeah, God needs you. Jesus sat down at the right hand of God because he was finished. His work here is done. Now we are his mouthpiece. We are his feet and hands. And he needs us. He needs us to go and compel all those who will come to him. To come. To come and fill his house. To fill these seats. To be a part of his plan of salvation. He knows who will choose. But we don't. That's what I didn't finish my thought about the sovereignty of God. God is not... Deciding everything that happens. It already played out. That's why he knows what happens. God created time. He's not in it. Does that make sense? If, if from here to here is the beginning of time that he created. And this is the end of time as we know it to come. It's already played out in his mind. It's already done. He allowed it. He allowed us to use our free will to do what we would. And he, that's why the victory is so great. This, this victory of salvation that, that he, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost were able to pull off and achieve. He knows now what happens, but he allowed it to happen, you see. He created time, he's not in it. You get that now? Does that make better sense about that when people say, well, whatever happens, God planned it? No. It was always his desire that no evil take place. He didn't he didn't want for Adam and Eve to do what they did actually. <laughs> but he knew it would happen. I hope that helps somewhat. <laughs> I hope you understand what a great treasure you are and the great price that God paid. He really really rolled the dice as it were <laughs> by giving us free will. We're the only creatures He ever created that have an opportunity to repent. 
The angels don't have that. He loves us. We can't really wrap our minds around the why of it all. We look at ourselves in the mirror. We know the things we have done. We know our tendencies and our failures. But let me tell you, he doesn't see it that way. He's wise and he knows what he's doing. Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, is going to see you through to the end. That's why you have you don't have to fear anything. And he, matter of fact, if it's not of faith, it's sin. Anything that's not of faith is sin. So we don't want to be fearful because that's the opposite of faith. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? How can we not be afraid? Because he's with us. That's the promise. And don't you know he's well able to provide for you? He's done it up to now. When I call my wife to apologize to her and tell her I love her, she was say, pray for me. You know, I've got all this happening. I said, I remind her of that. Hadn't he been so faithful to us all the way up to including now? He's going to be faithful again. This is already done in his eyes and, and it's good. You're going to have a great day. You're going to be successful and victorious. And that's all it takes. That's what I like people to remind me of when I get when I get a little off. We need godly friends and mentors around us to encourage us and to remind us what Jesus said. Amen? Right. You are kings and priests, children of God. Great things He's going to bestow upon you. But the victory that Jesus has obtained by His sacrifice is already yours. And you can draw upon these provisions of His grace, things that were given to you through the atonement. Now, and if you need help, well then you get with somebody who knows the Word and stands on the Word and knows how to live a life of faith and get Put some boundaries up of those people who speak doubt and unbelief and fear all the time. Even, as, even, even though they might mean well. And they usually do. But we have all been so trained just to... You know, I mean, I know people... I have people in my family that I'm struggling with. Because we all came from this place. Both sides of our family. Where, you know, you walk into a room. You look around. You find the negative thing. That's what you point out. 50 good things can happen to you. Oh, yeah, but the one negative thing. You see, that's hard to overcome, but you have to re begin somewhere. You have to renew your mind through the washing of the water of the Word. Everything that we speak out is supposed to edify or build up. Otherwise, we need to shut up. <laughs> that's hard. You need help. You need to surround yourselves with a Christian support group that really loves God. Sometimes I've been in environments where I wouldn't say, if I needed people to agree with me and pray with me, because I believe, like for healing, I know that it's already done and things like that, but sometimes you just need somebody to agree with you, to bring the manifestation of that thing in, and there's, there's settings, well, I won't mention it. Why? Because while some of those people might agree and pray with me at the time, right when they walk out of there, oh, Pastor Will's got this. <laughs> Don't you say that. It's like a spiritual tug of war. If faith going this way, doubt and unbelief this way. I don't want to get caught up in that. I want people who are going to stand on it. Say what they mean and mean what they say. All right. I keep waiting for Chris to come up here and, and play. I love you guys and and I'm, I'm glad that you're all here. I want you to know that that this was not a hard message for me. God just told me, I want you to go. I want you to show them how much I value them, how much I've paid for them, how much I love them and adore them. And it was all part of my plan. And I know what I'm doing. It was, no mistakes. I didn't create any junk. And I knew those who would choose me. And, 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 and I want them to know how loved they are and how powerful they are. And the authority that they've been given to use my name and I need them to go and to help others because we are really in the last times. Look around. Turn on the TV. 
don't mean to scare you. It's just to prepare you. That's why God's been giving me nine one one for these eight years or whatever. Just to keep us focused, you know. We don't know who the ones that He knows that will accept. But so we're going to try everybody. <laughs> Invite everybody to church. Let's see if we can have a little campaign next week. Thank you, May, for. I went out to do the. the I decided I'm going to be the doorman every week if, if I have to until somebody steps up. I haven't asked anyone specifically because I wanted God to put it on somebody's heart. I went out there to do it at 10 or 15 minutes till, till, um, till 11. And there was May out there working. And I said, what are, you, are you going somewhere? No, I just came to work the door. I, I, I like that. I shouldn't call somebody out because usually it just brings jealousy and people start talking about them. But we're not going to do that here. We just we don't do that here, do we? But my point is, we just need people to step up and just to serve and to just, you know, I, I would I would rather be a doorkeeper in God's house than than be in charge of anything that is not of Him. Father, thank you so much for this word and for your precious people here. Thank you, Lord, for giving me to care of uh, as an overseer of your flock and I thank you for each and every one of these here today I believe that this word will edify them I ask that you protect this word in their hearts and minds and not allow the enemy to steal it help them to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus help them to walk victoriously in every aspect of their lives I ask that you bless everyone here and everyone who will hear this message, Lord, in every way. Bless them indeed, Lord. I pray the prayer of Jabez. Bless them indeed, Lord, in every way. Help them and to know who they are in Christ. I speak a blessing of health and wholeness and provision on the lives of everyone here. Peace of mind. complete wholeness and victory and health in their bodies, in their finances, in their relationships, and in their service to you, Father. In Jesus' name, I call it done. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.